Praise God. We'd like to welcome everyone today. We're so glad that you're here worshiping with us this morning. If you're a guest with us today, we welcome you. And we're so glad that you're here today. Amen. Amen. And I will say to uh, what, uh, what Mother Wright has already spoken, I'll say amen to that. We are going somewhere. We are going somewhere. God is doing great things. And uh, I mean, I was just, I was just mentioning to her, I, there's probably 20 people right now that I, mentioned, I can think of that are out today. And uh, still, we got people coming in. It's funny, we're being about the same number every week. And it looks like nothing's happening. But when you realize the people that are out and the people that are here, we, we're staying at the same number, it actually means we're growing. So one of these days, we're going to get the majority of them ever here and we're going to actually see that we actually are growing amen but god's doing great things uh and we're excited about it and we're moving forward but you can be seated this morning and uh, uh, this is our second uh in our series we've been doing on sunday morning we did in a uh, month of september and i've never been a series guy and I, I say that not because i can't do it but i've always been someone that has followed the holy ghost and a lot of churches have gone to that, but I don't want to just do it because that's what they're doing. But last month, the Lord gave me something. Uh, we talked about the lessons from the ark, and then this month, the Lord gave me something. And so I've been enjoying it. And uh, the Lord, we, we preached, uh, talked about last week some myths that are surrounding heaven. And then after service, uh, Brother Jolin and I were chatting. He stopped me. We were chatting. He said some things to me. And, uh, boy, they got in my spirit, and I couldn't get away from them all week. And uh, I, I've just, I know this sounds silly, but I don't know what it is. The last couple of weeks, I've been having a blast studying the Word of God. And uh, I've had the opportunity two Thursday nights in a row back at, the, uh, back at Arnold to teach. And I've been, the Lord's been giving me some things, and it's just been an absolute blast. And, he, and, and when Brother... Jolin shared things with me last Sunday morning. It got some stuff got in my spirit, and I started uh, studying some things I never studied before. And, I, boy, it's just been exciting to me. And uh, it's amazing when the Word of God comes alive. It's awesome that when your Word of God comes alive and God begins to all of a sudden start putting the pieces together. And what is the reason? one of the reasons why it's so important for us to read the Word and for us to put the word in us. I know for some of it's like, well, I read the Bible and I understand it. And, and I'm reading it and I don't really, I, don't, I just feel like it's just, it's just walking through mud. But the Bible says that to hide his word in our heart. And when I put word in me, I may not understand everything I'm reading. But if I put it in me, then it gives God an opportunity down the road to be able to put pieces together. There are scriptures that I put in my spirit that I don't know how they fit, and God gives me revelation. All of a sudden, he just says, what about, you know that verse over here you didn't understand? And he puts, it, puts that piece in. So when the word of God comes alive, it's an awesome thing. But I want to draw your attention to a passage of scripture, and you can remain seated. We'll, just, we'll sit and read this morning. Luke chapter 10, verse number 17. Luke 10, verse 17. This is uh, the culmination of the fact in Luke 10, Jesus sent out 70, two by two. And they've come back and they said in verse 17, And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power 
to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Tremendous verse. Tremendous verse of authority of what God gives us and the authority that we have. And verse 20, notwithstanding in, the re, in, in this rejoice not. He just told us something amazing. He just told us he's given us power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the earth and nothing's going to hurt us. And I mean, who doesn't want to shout over that? But then he drops it down and says, but don't rejoice in that. Whoa, time out. Why not? Why shouldn't I rejoice in the fact that I've got this power in me given to me by God that I have the power and, and the powers of darkness can't hurt me. But he said, don't, don't rejoice in that, that the spirits are subject unto you. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. It doesn't really seem quite to measure up a little bit. And doesn't the, you put it on the scale and it really seems like the whole idea of authority and power, my God. Power and authority over, over things is the, boy, that's what I want. I don't want to serve a dead God. This is not about serving a dead God. If, you go to, if there's a dead church, that means they're serving a dead God. One of the reasons why we are the way we are, not because we want to be crazy and wild, but God's not dead. He is alive. And if he's alive, then you know what? Church should be alive. We are baptized into his death, but we are risen in power because he was risen in power. We're not supposed to come here and morbid and, oh, it's church and let's be reverence unto God because it's his death. He's alive. We're not celebrating his death. His death washes away our sins. It's his death and his blood that shed for us that washes our sins. But we don't sit here and be morbid about the celebration of somebody who is risen. But he said, don't rejoice in the fact that this is the case. He said, rejoice because your names are written where? In heaven. Now, the concept of this for us has been lost in a religious ideology of this names written in heaven. But if you go back a little bit in history, and you find that this was not an uncommon practice, that cities during the time of Christ and going back earlier than that, cities would hold what was called the registry of citizens. And what that was is basically a fancy term was, it was a book of names. And a city would hold this book of names. And if you were a citizen of that city, city in good standing, your name would be in that book. If you committed a crime and you had done something wrong, your name would be removed out of that book. And if your name was not in that book, you did not have rights of citizenship in that city. You could not hold you could, not, you could not buy property. You could not participate in any kind of political arena. There were certain, there was, you could not buy or sell. All your rights as a citizen were removed because your name was not written in the book. They actually uncovered years ago, they uncovered in Mesopotamia, which is one of the seabeds of civilization, at the area where Abraham comes from, Ur, Ur the Chaldees, they discovered two tablets, uh, 
two stone tablets and one stone tablet was called the tablet of transgression and the other was called the tablet of destiny. And they compared these two tablets and they found that the names that appeared on the tablet of destiny did not appear on the, name, on, the, on the tablet of transgression. And those on the transgression did not appear. And they did research and they found that even families were split on the two tablets. And it come to find out the reason for this was is that the tablet of destiny was the tablet of citizenship. The tablet of transgression were all those that had been removed off this list and put on this list. And so Jesus says, don't rejoice that you've got subject under your name, but yet rejoice that your names are written into heaven. What was this book or this name or this deal that Jesus was referring to that we should rejoice? Let's look at it. Revelation chapter 20. I'm not a, I don't do a lot of scripture, but for today I got a lot of scripture, so bear with me. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. This is what it says. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place from him. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of what? Book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. I'm going to read that to you. I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified. The Amplified is just another version that expounds some of the words in the Bible. Amplified, verse 12 says this, And I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open, and the, uh, then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as written in the books. That is, everything done while on earth. So Revelation 20 tells us, Jesus says, Luke 10, that don't rejoice over the authority that's been given unto you, but yet rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. And then Revelation 20 says that at the judgment of Christ, the book of life will be open, and your name and what you did on earth will be written in the book. That book becomes the book of God's conscience. His, his thoughts are placed in that book. And Revelation 20 says that book, when he stands before us in judgment, he doesn't go to his mind, he goes to the book. He opens up the book and he looks at your name, not just your name. Luke 10 says name, but Revelation 20 says not only is your name written in the book, but what you did on earth is written in the book. Let's just establish real quick here before we go back to that. How do you get your name in the book? That's, let's, let's figure that out first. That's important. You got to get your name in the book. How do I get my name in the book? Okay, there's a book. This book is the book by which God's going to judge the world by. This is the book. I mean, this is like, what is a national treasure? That's that movie, National Treasure, is the president's book of secrets. This is the book. I mean, this book is the book. So I got to get in the book. How do I get my name in the book? Well, here, the Revelation tells us. Revelation chapter 
3. And let's go to verse 5. Tells us how to get in the book. Ready? He that overcometh. The same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book. But I will confess, confess his name before my father and before the angels. So how do I get in the book? I've got to be an overcomer. Okay, that's great. Thanks a lot. That really clears it up. Well, then how am I an overcomer? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to answer your question. How are you an overcomer? An overcomer gets his name in the book because if you're not an overcomer, your name's not in the book. So if I'm an overcomer, my name's in the book. Great. How do I overcome? I want to overcome. Does that mean I come to church? No. Here's what it means to overcome. Ready? Revelation. Chapter 12, verse number 10. What's it say? And I heard a voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and kingdom of God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuses them before our God day and night. I'm coming back to that because that's powerful. Next verse. Here we go. Ready? And they overcame. Oh, oh, got to be an overcomer to get in the book. And he's just telling me they overcame. How'd they do it? How'd they overcome? By the what? Blood of the lamb. And how? By the word of the testimony. That's great. That's great. How did you do that? So it means I just have to get some blood and start testifying. Not quite. Because you overcome how? By the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. What is the blood of the lamb? Baptism. Because the only way to get the blood of the lamb on you is through baptism. Because the Bible says that he, his, his blood washes away our sins. Where, where do you get the blood at? The Bible says we're buried with him in baptism. And when we are buried with him in baptism, when his name is called on it, that water becomes representative of his blood and washes away to wash away. He said his blood washes away our sins. What does it take to wash? You've got to have some water and you've got to have some soap. So why is baptism important? Because they have some water and the name is the soap and you mix them together and then sins are washed away. So he said you overcome first by the blood of the lamb. You overcome by baptism. And he said... Next, you overcome by the word of your testimony. Well, that's great. So that means I get baptized and I just go around telling people God's good. That's testifying, right? I just want to tell you, Brother Jared, that uh, my car was broken down. I said, in Jesus' name, it started up. Boom, I'm going to heaven right there. I just testified. Isn't that testifying? That's what testifying is, right? So I just got to get baptized and start testifying to everybody, and I'll go to heaven. So that's how I overcome. No, no, not quite. The Bible says he overcame by the word, by, by the blood of the lamb, check, that's baptism, and by the word of the testimony. Problem is, the word there doesn't mean my word. That word there is logos, which is the written word of God, where we get in John, in the beginning was the word, logos, and the word was with God, Logos, and the Word was God, Logos, and the Word, Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. Who do we call the Logos of the flesh? What's his name? Jesus. And what did Jesus, oh, I get excited, I'm getting excited, I don't know if you're getting excited. Jesus, if he's the Logos, made flesh, and Jesus said in John that I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send you a comforter, which is my spirit, my Holy Spirit. And to testify is to speak. The Bible says in Acts when they received the Holy Ghost, which is the Logos, the spirit of the Logos, they began to praise and testify of the glory of God as they begin to pray in the spirit. 
So to be an overcomer takes two things, baptism and spirit. So to get my name in the book of life, I got to be an overcomer. What does that mean? I got to be an overcomer by being baptized and being filled with the spirit. Okay, that's great. So, all right, that's awesome. I'm in the book. What's the big deal with the book then? I'm telling you what the big deal is. Ready? Revelation 20, verse 15. And so whosoever was not written, who not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The book seems like a pretty big deal now. Whoa, time out. It ain't just a book. It's the book. Because now the book says, if you're not in the book, hey, wait a minute. You're cast where? Into the lake of fire. In case you don't know what the lake of fire is, that's not a volcanic lake. That's hell. You're cast in the lake of fire. Notice this. That book's a really big deal, isn't it? So you're now starting to get a little bit of a picture why Jesus said, look, don't be dancing around and shouting just because you walked over some devils and said boo in Jesus' name and they went running. But really rejoice because your name's written in heaven because that book is a really big deal. That's a really, 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 really big deal. Revelation 22 says this. Revelation 22, verse 19. And if any man take, shall take away from the words of the book of, his, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Hold that back there for a second. What did we say in the very beginning? That cities had registries, and you couldn't, be a, you couldn't be a citizen of that city if your name wasn't in the book. What are we going to? What is heaven called? It's New Jerusalem. It's a city. We're not going to just a, a cloud where we're going to be given harps, halos, wings, and pluck away for eternity. We're going to a city. That's where we're going. But to get in that city, you've got to be a citizen of the city. And how do you know you're a citizen of the city? But your name's got to be written in the book. Because, hey, he said, not only if you don't do this, your name's going to be taken off. But not only that, you can't get into the holy city. Well, guess what, folks? I want to get into the holy city. So if I want to get in the holy city, what does that mean? i got to get my name in the book. Got to get in the book. Got to be in the book. But here's the deal. That's awesome. But really what kind of makes me nervous about all this, what the really makes me nervous, that's awesome. Get in the book. I'm in the book. Woo, I'm in the book. How's that work? But really what makes me nervous is the very first passage we read in Revelation. Let's go back and read that again. Revelation 20, verse 12. I'm going to put it up there. It's in the King James. But I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified. And I saw the dead and the great and the small standing before the throne, and the books were open. Then another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as written in the books. That is everything done while on earth. Oh, God. So not only does my name have to be in the book, but everything I've done is in the book. Ooh, I'm nervous now. I like the idea of my name being in there. Get my name in there. Joel Wright. But what about all the stuff I've done? 
Now that's in the book too? Oh, ah, back it up, back it up, back it up, back it up. Leave my name in there. But everything I've done on earth is in the book with my name. Ooh. Getting nervous now. Because when he opens up that book, sees my name, and then everything I've done is next to it. Ooh. And then I'm judged according to that. And my eternal destiny is based off what's in the book. Again, the eternal destiny is not based off our opinion. It's the book. It's not based off what you thought was right or wrong. It's what's in the book. Well, here's what happens. This is, now this is where we, we're going to get a little, we're, we're going to lose somebody today. I know we're going to go a little deep. And we're going to lose somebody, but I'm, I'm too excited. I guess we just have to go and give you a snorkeling gear for later. Watch this. Ready? Revelation 17, verse number Eight. Watch what happens. Revelation 17, verse number 8. Watch what it says. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that, we, that was and is not and yet is. So he's saying basically when this all happens, those who are not in the book of life from the foundation of the world are going to have some problems. So what does that mean? Though people that will not have problems are the people whose names are written. But then it notice something here. Something's interesting with this whole passage of scripture. It's this phrase that makes, makes me interested. The foundation of the world. So your name is written from the foundation of the world. How's that possible? If you got saved today, you got saved last week, you got saved a month ago, maybe you got saved 20 years ago. Pretty sure the, old, the earth is older than 20 years. What does that mean? How can my name be put in the book from the foundation of the earth? That lets me see something there that's important to us today. Hugely important. And if you would get this revelation today, I believe you could leave out of here liberated from some things that you're carrying today. I believe it in Jesus' name. Because that verse right there gives us insight into something that is massively, massively important to our Christian walk. He said, your name is written from the foundation of the world. From the very fabric and the beginning, when he said, let there be light, your name was already written in that book. Whoa. What does that mean for me today? How is that? How is that? What? Okay, I'm working a job. I'm trying to pay my bills. I'm trying to get to church. How is that, preacher, a big deal to me? I'm going to tell you why. It's not only a big deal. It's a life-changing deal. Because here's why. There are two simultaneous worlds that are going on right now. I'll prove it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look what it says. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? And the things which are not seen are what? So what does that tell me? 
That tells me there are two worlds running side by side. There is the temporal and the eternal. And they go side by side. And you and I dwell in the temporal. But going on simultaneously is the eternal. And they're running parallel to each other. Why is that a big deal, preacher? I don't see it. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm lost here. What, what's, you know, I'm just, Lord, I just try to get up in the morning and go to work and try to make it. And you're trying to mess with my mind. Why is that a big deal? Here's why it's a big deal. Because God does not dwell in the temporal. Where does God dwell? In the eternal. And where does the book dwell? The book is dwelt in the eternal. And where does God judge us in all of this? From the temporal or from the eternal? You've got to understand something here today. That God is not living based off the parameters that we live under. That God is living untethered by this temporal life. And God's world is not governed the same way our world is. We can only live now. We can only dwell now. Because now is all we've got. I, I preached months ago that now faith. The Bible says have faith now. Because now is all we have. When you're a temporal being, you can only dwell in the now. You cannot dwell in the future. You cannot dwell in the past. It can only be now. There is no time but now. Now is the only time that will ever be in the temporal. Because I get it. Watch this. Let's go 10 seconds in the future. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. What time is it now? So it, for us, we're, we're always kind of pinned in by time. We're always sandwiched between our past and our future, and we've got this little sliver that we balance on called the now. And we balance our life between the past and the future because we're living on the now. And sometimes the past waits us over this way, and we stumble back in the future, and we kind of, because we only have this little sliver. But God is not bound by the now. God dwells in all space. And the Bible says, we just read, that our name is written from the foundations of the earth, the world. From the foundations. So what does that mean? If I got saved right now in the temporal realm, you'll say, when did you get saved? And I'll say, I got saved October 9th, 2016. At what time is it? 11 what? 11.13. At 11.13. Because that was the stamp of the now because I'm in the temporal. But in God's eternal, when I get saved and I overcome, his, my name goes all the way back to the foundation of the earth. All the way back. Temporally, my name's only written now, but eternally, my name has always been there. Whoa, 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 watch that. Now I can only say, well, you know what? I was, I, I was lost. I, I didn't know God for 30-something years, but now I know God for the last 10. And we have that demarcation. It's, you know, the before Christ and the after Christ of our life. 
But in God's, when we get saved and we become an overcomer, in God's book, it's as if we've always been there from the very foundation. Why is this important, preacher? What are you trying to tell me? I'm going to tell you why. Because that verse we read that made us all a little nervous, right? That we're going to be judged by our name that's in the book, but not only what's in the book, but what we've done. Oh, God. Because I've done some stuff. I'm hoping it's not in the book. Because if it's in the book, I'm in trouble. I've got some stuff in the book that makes me nervous. And if I stand there and he goes, next in line, Joel Wright. Uh, okay. Uh, it's, it's me here. Okay. Uh, let me look. You got several pages here, son. Uh, boy, you did a lot. Oh, let's see. Uh, oh, let's see. October 3rd. Oh, that was a sun. That was a Monday. Let's see, at 12 o'clock. Ooh. Ooh. It's not looking good, do, too good for you there, son. Let me see if I can find something else. Hold on a second. Let's go back several years. Let's see. July 10th, 2012. Let's see. Ooh. Ooh. One o'clock in the afternoon wasn't a very good time for you on that day. Hold on. Let's go back. And I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. I feel the flames of the lake of fire licking me at my feet because I know, oh, God, my name's in the book and the stuff I've done is in the book. I have no hope. What am I going to do? Because you know what? The Bible says every single one of us, not just me, not just you, every person has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, that's a problem. Because if we all have sinned and we all have got sin issues, do you think he'll let us in the book if there's sin in the book? Come on. The Bible says no flesh will glory in his presence. Well, guess what? I don't think he looks at the book and says sin. He's going to let us in the book. Let us in. So there's got to be something, throwings between what I've done and what's in the book. Because if I've got sin and you've got sin, and everything we've done is put in that book, and we haven't done everything right, and nobody's ever done anything right, then it basically should say, and there's a book of life that was supposed to have names in it, but everybody's sinned, so there are no names. It's just a book. But he said, rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. Whoa, my name's in the book of life. But the problem is all the stuff I've done is in that book too. Ah, I don't like that. And so I've got some stuff in there that I've done that if it's in that book, I'm in trouble. And the whole citizenship and holy city thing, I'm going to get to the front of the line and he's going to say, yee, sorry, son. So what happens to the stuff that I've done and how does it get out of the book? Because when I sin in the temporal, let's go back here a minute. When I sin in the temporal, I sin in the temporal and it's mirrored in the eternal. Both deeds are recorded. 
at the same time. But watch this. Ready? Watch what Revelation says. Revelation chapter 2. Verse number 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufficest, sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, to eat things, sacrifice unto idols. And I gave her space. That word space is a period of time in the Greek. Or I like to call it a grace period. If you've got a bill that's due on the 16th, you get a 10-day grace period, whatever it is, to pay that bill. And the bill won't be late as long as you get it in that period. How long that period of time is, he doesn't say. But he said, I've given her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. So when I sin, it is recorded in the temporal and in the eternal. But God, because he's a God of mercy, then gives me a space, a grace period, in which to repent. Problem is, here's the issue. When I do something in the temporal, it's forever recorded in the temporal. There's nothing I can do to ever change that. If you kill somebody today, you can become the second cousin of Jesus Christ himself and never erase the fact that you killed somebody. If you, got, if you have a felony on your record today, it doesn't matter if you did that when you're 18 years old, that felony will always stay on your record. Because in the temporal, you cannot go back and erase what has been done. But because there is a temporal and there's an eternal, when we sin and we do things wrong, those deeds are recorded in the book. And then God starts the time. What that time is, I don't know how long that time is. But it gives you a space and a grace period to repent. And when you do something that's not pleasing to God and you commit sin, you have the opportunity to go to Him and say, Lord, I have done wrong. And I have committed sin in my life. I'm asking you to forgive me and to wash me and to cleanse me. That sounds really cute, right? Oh boy, Jesus, forgive me, that's awesome. Why when I walk away do I still remember what I did? Whoa, how awesome would it be for me to say, God, forgive me. And he just like a vacuum sticks to my forehead and sucks all that stuff out. But the part of the time I get this thing and I say, forgive me, and I walk away and I walk back home. In case you didn't hear me, God, forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Okay. God, I, I know in case you get God, forgive me. Hello, forgive me. Okay. Still there. Forgive me. Forgive me. Please forgive me. Okay, I, I got it that time. It's still there. God, forgive me, 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 forgive me,
which means you're governed by the now, which means you cannot forget the past and you don't know the future. But when you say, forgive me, the first time you go, you get the, the, the first syllable out before you even get to the give. But when you say for, God's like, he's sitting there going, all right, here they come, ready? Here they come, hurry. Gideon, quick, Gabriel, quick, give, give me the book. Give me the book, they're coming, they're coming. Gabriel, give me the book, give me the book, son, hurry up. Here they come, okay, here they come. You're sitting down there and you don't even know what you're doing. You're just like, Lord, please, God, I'm asking you to forgive me. He's like, get, get, he's there to do it. Hurry up. Turn, turn the book. Let's see. W, X, Y, W, 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 I, W, W, R, 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 W, R, I. There he is. Joel Wright. Gotta get, give me some blood, buddy. Give me some blood. Hurry up. Bring me some blood. Whoa. In that moment, in the eternal, the moment you say forgive, in that moment, you have never, ever committed a sin in your entire life. At that moment. Temporal. Forgive me, 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 forgive me. In the eternal, God says, one time, just say it, baby. Come on, tell me, one time. Four, four, forgive. Got it, let's go. Blood, let's do something about it. Boom. It's literally, according to the word of God, as if you have never done it, period. Well, you say, well, that's great. But here's the problem. You got the eternal and the temporal. Go back to Revelation 12.10, Brother Andrew. Revelation, Revelation 12.10, watch this. Here's the problem we have right here. And I heard a loud voice saying, Heaven now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren, who is that? Satan is cast down. What? He's what? Cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Where's the book? Where's the book? In the eternal. Where does heaven abide? In the eternal. Where's the book? In the eternal. When I ask God to forgive me, where is it removed from? The temporal? No. The eternal. Here's the problem. Where does the devil abide? Hey, right here, folks. It says it right here. I'm not making it up. What? Cast down. Where was he cast out of? He was cast out where the book is held. He doesn't have access to the book anymore. So where does he stay? He stays where there's no where the book is not. So the problem is, guess what? Come here, my prop, my, my full prop. So Brother Dylan commits a sin. I'm the devil. I'm watching this. He commits sin. I got kicked out for doing something far. Really? Come on. He's over there doing crazy stuff. And I got kicked out. So guess what? He comes to God. It says, forgive me. God gets the book out, gets the blood, washes it. He's forgiven in the eternal. But I'm the devil. 
I don't have access to the book. So what do I do? I stand before God day and night doing what? Accusing us of what? So come over here, Brother Lamone, you be God. He's over there. You sit here on your throne, your holy throne. Literally, the Bible says that Satan is standing there with God saying, how can you love him? Did you not know what he did? You kicked me out, but yet you're going to let him in? How can you? Don't, hey, in case you forgot, I know you've been up there for a while, but he did this and he did that and he did this and he did that. And God's sitting there going, what are you talking about? No, 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 you're not understanding. You're not understanding. I was there. I watched him do it. Watched him do what? Problem is, the devil comes around and says, I know what you did. I saw you do it. I saw you do it. How can you come to church? How can you worship? How can you say you love God and do the stuff you did? You know what? I'm going to go tell God. He came to church today, was worshiping like nothing's wrong. You should have said last night, you should have seen what I saw last night. I mean, wow. I've seen some stuff, but last night, wow. And he has the audacity to come into your presence. I tell you what, we need to do something about him. He came in here today and worshipped, acting like everything in his life is perfect. I'm telling you. I know you don't remember, but I'm going to help you remember. This is what he did. You need to take care of it. And God's up there going, what are you talking about? Problem is, the devil, he's reminding us because he can only see what was done in the temporal. He can only remind us. Go ahead, you sit down. He reminds us because he can only see by the temporal. is he fooled because he doesn't know that in the eternal book what I did it's not even there anymore so he can accuse me and we have condemnation and we've got shame and we got all the stuff that we carry because we're listening to the voice of the temporal all shame is rooted in the temporal voices every bit of shame in our life is rooted in the temporal. Not in the eternal. Because in the eternal it's totally 100% erased. And when I stand before him that day and he says, next in line, uh, we're at the W's. Joe Wright. I stand before him and he looks at the book and he opens the book and he says, all right, I'm going to be judged by what I've done on earth. He's going to say, okay, here's your name. Now let's see what you've done. Okay, and there's nothing on that page. Hold on, let me go back. According to the records, there's nothing on here at all. It's all gone. There's nothing here. Are you sure you ever lived? Because according to the records here, there's nothing here that shows you've ever done anything and I'm up there, I know. And so he's going to say, you know what? Well done. 
and he's going to hand me this crown. And I'm going to know because I'm coming out of the temporal. I'm going to take off the crown and say, I got to give you this crown because there's no reason why all that stuff should be erased out of that book because I know what I've done and I don't deserve this crown because the only reason my stuff's not in that book is because your sacrifice don't give me a crown you deserve the crown so I can walk today in here do you know why you want something crazy do you know I've never committed a sin in my life Ever. I've never done one thing wrong. Never had one bad thought. Never one bad action. I've literally been perfect for my entire life. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Never had one, one, one deviation from that. Not if anybody knows me, they know that's not true. But yet it is true. Because according to God, when I woke up this morning, giving praise to God, I said, Lord, I want to give you everything in me. Cleanse me and forgive me of all my sins, anything in me. And at that moment, I was perfect. There should never be a day go by if you're a Christian that you don't stop for a moment in any part, whether the beginning, the middle, the end, and say, God, forgive me, cleanse me. I repent before you. Why? I want to get the stuff out of the book. Get some stuff out of the book because I don't want the junk in my head getting in the book. I got to get it out of the book. I want him to get it out. Why is this important? Because some of us are so weighted down and we're so held back and we're so trapped by the things we have done. But God, in his power, takes all of that away. And all of that is as if it's never, ever, ever been done. Nothing I've ever done is recorded in that book because it's all been washed away by the blood of Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. What is condemnation? Condemnation points out my sin. Condemnation puts me away from God. There is therefore now no condemnation to who? To them that walk not after the flesh, but after the what? Spirit. What is the difference there? Flesh, temporal, spirit, eternal. When I let the spirit move in my life, it moves me out of this world into that eternal world. And that in eternal world, there is no condemnation because there's nothing to condemn me for. If I stood in a pool today, and I stood in a pool, you say, why? That's kind of weird, preacher. How can that be? Well, I'll tell you why. If I stood in the pool today, my body could be submerged in water, but my head could be in air. And I could live in two different mediums at the same time. Head in the air, body in the water, and I could survive. Do you know what having the Spirit of God does? This earth is one medium. But when I get in the Spirit, I'm able to poke my head into a whole nother realm that I can't exist in temporarily. I can go in the internal because the spirit takes me to the eternal. And in that eternal, there are no sins in my life. There are no things I've done because it's all erased. And in the eternal, my name's in the book. 
if I live carnally minded and I live in the, in the carnal world, guess what? I will be subject and I will be dictated by what I've done. But according to God's own word, the deeds that are written in that book are erased out of the book when we seek forgiveness. And it's not that if, it's not like we think of erasing, where you take a pencil, you write it down, and then you erase. So you can kind of see there was something there, but you can't read what it was. There's some marks there. There's some, some, some scratches on the paper. No, 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 no. That's not what God means by erasing our sins. He literally means when he does that, it's as if it was never, ever done in our life. That's why he said, Brother Jolin, don't rejoice that the demons are subject under your name. That's temporal stuff. We get so caught up in the temporal. Don't get all caught up in the temporal. Really, the thing to get excited about is that your name is written in the book that is in heaven. So the first thing today is you got to get your name in the book. You got to be in the book. But the second thing is if your name's in the book, what is next to your name? Revelation 20 tells us not only are we going to be judged by what we our name, we're going to be judged by what we've done. That's in the book. What does your book say? Done wrong? Everybody, let's line up. I we I, we can name it. But you know what? I can't erase that here. I'll never be able to erase the fact of things I've done here. Never. But eternally, there is no record in heaven that I've ever had a lustful thought, a wrong action. I've ever told a lie. I've ever had an angry moment. I've ever, I've ever uh, done anything in violation of the word of God. There's no record of that in heaven. Zero. So my question to you is, as Paul says, what are you going to abide by? The things which are seen or the things which are not seen? And I finish with this. Mother Ray, if you would come. Let's go back. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's start at verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded, commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. But we have this treasure. That word treasure there means deposit. God has deposited a portion of himself into us earthen, temporal vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. So God has put a piece of eternity into the temporal so that we would not rejoice in the temporal but rejoice in the eternal. Because we are troubled on every side yet not distressed. We are perplexed 
but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. What is that right there? For What is that? Eight and nine. Troubled, but not distressed. Perplexed, but not despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Cast down, not destroyed. What is that? That's the two worlds of our life. On the temporal, we're perplexed. On the temporal, go back to verse eight. Verse eight. On the, on the temporal, we are, we, are, we are troubled. On the eternal, we're not distressed. On the temporal, we're perplexed. Eternal, not in despair. Verse 9. On the temporal, we're persecuted. In the eternal, it doesn't bother us. We're not forsaken. In the temporal, we're cast down. But in the eternal, you can't destroy us because we're in the book. In verse 15. For all things, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundance of grace might be the, through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perishes. There it is again. Paul's telling us, outward man perishes. What's the outward man? Temporal. The inward man is what? What's the inward man? Eternal. In you right now, you've got an temporal and you have the eternal temporal every day you look in the mirror you get older and older but inwardly because the eternal watch this temporal has a start has an ending the moment you came out of your mother's womb the de- the, the, the uh, doctor smacked you in your on your behind you started dying because the temporal has a start but it has an end so the moment you start your sand grains and your hourglass start emptying. But the eternal, when you start, the grains start filling. So temporally, you perish the moment you come out of your mother's womb. But eternally, every day, you're not getting older and weaker. You're getting bigger and stronger. Because you're moving towards something that has no end. So Paul says, though your outward man perishes the inward man is renewed by day to day for our light affliction when you think about that way this all this stuff we're dealing with is no big deal which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal way of glory and then he says again verse 18 while we look at not on the things which are seen but the things which are seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal by the help of the name of Jesus today Hope someone gets the seed and desire in your heart today that you're not bound by the temporal, that you're not bound by all this. Does that mean we walk around oblivious to things? Well, obviously we got life. You get sick. You got to go to the hospital. All that. But my life is not dictated. My happiness, my peace, everything I'm going through is not dictated by the temporal. If that's the case, then God is the most unfair God ever. Because go today, Google Haiti. And look at the devastation of Haiti from the earthquake. And now just a few years later, they just got crushed again by a hurricane. If God is all about the temple, then he is unfair. It rips your heart out seeing these people with this, with no walls barely to their house, little tin roofs. Literally the roof just peeled off. I mean, you could blow on it and the roof would peel off. And their, their rooms filled with water destroyed. And it's not like they have insurance. It's not like they have a job. That's all they have. They saw people literally taking their clothes and trying to wring them out and putting them on trees and trying to get them dry. If that's what this is about, then God's unfair. But it's not about the temporal. Paul says, you can't get caught up in this life because there's a greater life to come. 
that is the eternal. And what I do in the temporal is only for a moment. What I'm going through the temple, life, you know, life stinks sometimes. Life's hard. It hurts. But Paul said it's a light affliction because it's only for a moment because there's a greater prize that's ahead. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus said, boy, we all want to walk around and say boo to the devil and he run away. And that's great. But guess what? That's the temporal. He said, be excited and rejoicing the fact that your name is in the eternal. Can we just close our eyes right where we are right now? I'm trying to close. The Lord is still speaking. Can we close our eyes right where you are right now? And I'm asking you right now that you would take your sins before the Lord today. If you've got things in your heart that you haven't dealt with, I'm asking you, Lord, I'm asking right now by the grace and mercy of God that you would take those sins to the Lord and lay them down at His feet and ask Him to forgive you. Can wash. And let your, let your name be in that book today. And let your de deeds be washed away. Come on, some of you are so bogged down in the temporal. But I pray now in the name of Jesus that the light of the word would shake you from the temporal. Some of you are going through horrible circumstances right now. Some of you are in the midst of terrible, terrible things right now that you don't have an answer to. And how, how terrible it is in the temporal. The Bible says it is a light affliction. Because there's something greater. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, help us today. Help us today. Holy Ghost. Let your spirit move in this place, Holy Ghost. Let your spirit move in this place right now. Let your spirit move right now, Holy Ghost. Let your spirit move right now in Jesus' name. Oh, let your love wash in through this place. Let your mercy and your grace. Oh, there's nothing you have done that God cannot forgive. There's nothing too great that he cannot overcome. How do you know that, preacher? Because there's nothing in this life that is eternal. It's temporal. And God is greater than the temporal. No matter the deed, no matter how bad you think the sin is, the sin is temporal and God is eternal. That's why the Bible says that if you're guilty in one point of the law, you're guilty in all the law. Because in the eternal, there is no categorization. We categorize it in the temporal, but in God's economy, sin is sin and God erases all sin. Come on, let the Lord help you just for a moment. Can we just pray and ask the Lord to help us today? Come on, God's trying to liberate someone for some things today. God's trying to liberate you out of some things today. Oh, in the name of Jesus. 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 Why don't you just take a moment and reach over next to your neighbor. Let's pray one for another. Ask the Lord to help us as a, as a, as a church. Ask the Lord to help us right now. Come on. We need His grace and His mercy to flow in our life. As no Jesus, move in this place right now. Move in this place right now. Oh, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Have your way right now in the name of Jesus. Have your way right now in Jesus' name. Have your way in my heart, my life. Cleanse me, wash me. In the name of Jesus. 
I bind every lie of the adversary. I bind every accusation of the adversary. I curse it in Jesus' name. I curse it in Jesus' name. Oh! In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, help us today, Lord. Help us today. Help us today. Help us today. Help us today. Jesus, oh, what can make me whole again? Oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me White as snow, no other I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you're not praying, would you sing this? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Sing, oh, precious is the flow. you stand and sing this with us oh precious that makes me me white as snow no other I know nothing but thanks and rejoice that our names are written in that book today come on let's give them praise for that come on let's give them not just a token of praise but let's give him praise and thanks yes thank you Jesus thank you thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus praise God praise God praise God